how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Nathan Beckard. Nathan is the CEO of Founders Suite, which is a leading software platform for raising angel and venture capital used by over 3,000 startups over the world, across the world, around the world, whatever the hell you want to say. Nathan, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited because you probably have a completely unique perspective on this space. And one of the one of the things that comes up repeatedly is capital, 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 capital. How do I get more capital? How do I create capital? How do I acquire capital? So before we get into that, let's go through a real quick rundown of your your company, just a quick revenue rundown. Where are you at in terms of your ARR phase? Yeah, we're we are seven figures plus um, and growing pretty steadily. So that's where we're at. Okay. Excellent. And then what's your go-to-market strategy for acquiring customers? We do a few different things. We do some direct um, outreach, cold outreach to startups that are in accelerator programs. We also have partnerships with a lot of accelerator programs. Like our customers are mostly startup founders, right? And they're all looking to raise capital. That's why they subscribe to founder suite so where are startup founders that's how we kind of view the world so accelerator is a great place for us um also events we were just down in south by southwest where there's tons of startups there so we had a presence down there and and then we have our own um honey pots or baits out there we have a podcast of our own we have some good content on our blog and we do webinars things like that so some content owned channel marketing well what would you say is the most effective out of all of those? Cause that's a lot that you hit on, but I'm just out of curiosity. Like what, what would you say is the most effective? They all contribute, I guess, somewhat equally. We don't have like one and we also do Google and Facebook ads too. Right. I mean, so we have like six s- smaller pipes instead of like one huge pipe that's driving most customers in. Right. Um, I would say that the partnerships with accelerators is pretty fruitful because especially the ones that are, you know, plugging or recommending Founders Suite to their startups. Um, it's a pretty synergistic relationship, right? You're a startup, you get into an accelerator because you want to raise money. You're an accelerator manager. You're getting all these startups in. You're giving them 100 grand. You're taking 6% or whatever. You want to see them go on to raise capital. And here we are with our software to raise capital. So that's a pretty nice, like, win, win, win for all involved. So that's been a good channel for us. And, you know, we're always, there are thousands of accelerators around the world. So we're always growing our relationships with those. They take a while to grow. Are you talking like Y Combinator, Techstars type accelerators and like in that neighborhood? Or are there other ones that you're working with? Oh yeah, there are, um, there are thousands of them. We like earlier today, I did a webinar for a great accelerator program in Tampa, Florida called Wave. And they do couple cohorts a year they'll do a today's was a a fintech so it's 15 or 20 fintech startups from florida and all over the world um all in their program they also do like a cybersecurity one we have relationships with like the los angeles clean tech incubator just like it sounds based in los angeles all they do is clean tech startups right i mean 
there are literally there's an accelerator for no matter what niche you're in what location you're in there's probably two or three accelerators for them and then you have the big guys like you know y combinator tech stars 500 startups which are sort of the the big national brands so to speak but you know beyond that there are thousands of really good programs excellent man i didn't realize there's that many i didn't realize there's thousands of incubators but i guess now that you start dropping all the names, it, it adds up really quickly. So t- can you talk about what your solution does exactly? I know you, you referenced it. It's, it's to help acquire capital, but can you just give a quick overview of it? Yeah. So we're building software and databases around each step of the fundraising process. So typically when you're getting ready to raise money, you would start with our investor database. We've got about 200 and 8,000 investors in our database. So you go in and search by industry, by type of investor to help, you know, start to identify the right investors. And then we have an investor CRM, which is to manage that pipeline, all the tasks and actions, activities that have to go on in a fundraise. You need a good tool to manage that. Then we have our, our pitch deck hosting, our investor updates, our email tools for doing the communications with investors, sending out your materials, sending out your regular monthly update, keeping them informed with your progress, following up with our email tools, stuff like that. And then we have um, a virtual data room, which is where you put your confidential documents and materials and share it with investors, typically when you're in like due diligence phase, negotiating term sheets, stuff like that. And then we have a bunch of like downloadable documents like pitch decks, cap tables, term sheets that help you kind of close out the round. So if you think about all the steps that happen in a fundraise where we've got products for each of that step, that's what it does. Okay. And then are you bootstrapped or are you backed? Do you have investors? We're a funny business. We make software for raising capital. We are a venture-backed business that operates like a bootstrap startup. So we did raise um, we did raise a seed round ourselves from a great venture firm called FFBC and a bunch of really great angels. And then since then, we haven't had to go raise more money. So we've basically operated like a bootstrap business. <laughs> so kind of hybrid, funny hybrid. So VC, but it's capital efficient. Okay. So, yeah. so that's... that's um, that's a good understanding. So how did you get to this point? Right? Like, I know you've been you've had the business, I think it was six years plus you mentioned. Uh, How did you get to this point? How did you create it? And how did you identify the need? Just walk us through that real quick and bring us current. Yeah, in my previous career, I was a was and still am I still consider myself a finance guy. I was working in investment banking, um, helping later stage companies raise capital. So did a little time at JP Morgan's private placement group and Piper Jaffrey. And, you know, was just working with companies, helping them raise their series B, series C mezzanine round, like larger stage, later stage, larger rounds. Um, and then I kind of got tired of that. So I came out to Silicon Valley from New York and hung out my own shingle as a consultant And did that for a while, just helping early stage companies raise capital, did that for like 10 years. And, you know, we'd get a client in the door, we'd help them build a a pitch deck and a financial model. We'd help them build that list of investors, which always takes a lot of time, you know, to research and build. And then we put it all in a nice fancy spreadsheet and we'd kind of push them out the door and coach them as they made their way up and down Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley. And 
you know, after doing that for a few years, like, why don't we build some software for this? Like there are, there's gotta be a better way, right? (laughs) As many startups come from that, like epiphany moment, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. The spreadsheet Mm. was okay for managing that. But if you're talking to like 200 investors and every time you talk to an investor, there's like two or three follow-up action items that have to happen. You know, it's hard to track all that on spreadsheet and not have things like slipping through the cracks or just being kind of messy and sloppy, right? So that was our idea. Like, let's build an actual software CRM for this process. And that's what we launched with. Um, and then we've just been adding to the suite every year. We'll add a one or two more features to it. So that's so it. What would, what, what's the most, I mean, that's cool. Cause like, obviously, you know, the need from like a really big company um, down. So like I should say big raise down to the smaller size. What's the the product that most buyers gravitate towards that you have or customers, I should say, gravitate towards that you have, or do they just get the whole suite? They get the whole suite. It, it's just one price that is everything. It's not like a la carte or anything like that. But, um, you know, our flagship product was the CRM. That was the first thing we launched with. And I'd say that's still the the flagship product, but you know, a lot of people will come for the, or they'd be attracted to the database first, right? Cause they're, they're just starting that hunt. Um, other startups already have a list of investors. Maybe they've curated or cultivated or researched elsewhere so they can bring that in into the spreadsheet. So the CRM is still sort of the, the workhorse and then the other tools accompany it. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess like, what do you see as the biggest challenge like through that life cycle of startups acquiring funding? What's the single biggest challenge you see? That's the challenge that we face or that startups face the single biggest challenge that startups face when they're trying to acquire funding. Yeah. Oh boy. There's so many. Um, probably one of the biggest is, and this sounds so obvious, but having like a really good story, you know, investors invest in stories and a lot of startups will just have, let me take this another way. One of the main reasons I see startups fail is because they're, their pitch and their story is terrible. And it's actually kind of hard to do your own pitch. I found that the hard way, like (laughs) I can create, I've created hundreds of pitch decks for startup clients when it came time to building my own deck. You know, it's kind of hard to like tell your own story in a really crisp, concise way. And so I think that's one thing a lot of startups struggle with is telling their story. I actually do recommend founders hire a consultant, even if it's just a graphic designer or, you know, a pitch, a dedicated pitch deck consultant to help tell that story because that's the foundation of fundraising, right? You have to have some really interesting story. That's going to kind of move people in both like a, a a logical and an emotional way, right? Show me how you're going to make a lot of money for me, but also maybe tug at my heartstrings a little bit or, or get me envisioning a better better world kind of thing. So that's, that's the, probably the number one reason I see startups fail. And that's foundational. Now, beyond that, there are 500 different ways startups screw up their fundraising from not putting in the time, not doing the research and not finding the right investors. Right. A lot of founders that come on to us and like, how do I just email all your investors? I'm like, <laughs> you can't, we'll never let you send a spam to 200,000 investors that's not how fundraising works. So, I mean, there are things like that, that people shoot themselves in the foot doing. 
Oh, yeah. I can see that. I mean, that's that's insane. And I, I mean, like people have like I have nothing to do with fundraising personally. And people just reach out. They're like, oh, I need money. <laughs> I'm like, what do you t-? like? It's insane. Like some of the stuff I love the expectation that people have just in, in terms of like how easy it is. So <clears throat> I guess I, th- I think that's good. So I can see that being the storytelling in the logical and emotional way. Um. You know, what do you see are the, okay, so let's flip it on its head. What are the, what are the organizations that do really, really well and, and walk us through what they're doing from that, you know, emotional telling story, logical based combo. Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. So the startups that do really well and, you know, by Definition, what I mean by that is either they raise a really healthy round, like a good amount of money on their terms. They can pick and choose their investors. They can kind of set the terms of the of the deal. Also, I would define it as a fundraise that goes pretty quickly because fundraising can take a long time if it it either goes fast or it can take nine months. Right. Um and so the startups that do really well do have a few common patterns. One is they they do spend the time to identify the right investors. Like, for example, if you're in fintech, I did a talk to a fintech accelerator earlier today. We have almost 9,000 fintech investors in our database, but that doesn't mean all 9,000 of those are going to be relevant for you. So kind of going through some subset segment of that and really identifying the fintech investors that invest in your sector, your stage, your geographic location, stuff like that. Um, that's, that's pretty fundamental, you know, getting a warm introduction wherever you can. This is pretty common knowledge, but just trying to get that introduction, building that introduction to the investor by working your network or building relationships with other founders is pretty key. A lot of people will skip that step and try and do the cold email to investors, mm. which often doesn't work very well. And then I would say, you know, the other key factor, actually two key factors is once you're actually in the hunt and really actively fundraising, making it go fast, like having a tempo to your activities where you're really trying to pack your schedule full of meetings where you're having five, six meetings a day, five, six days a week. So you're really getting momentum going for your deal. That's pretty critical because investors can sense that sort of momentum on a deal. Um, and there's that whole FOMO, right? Investors are very driven by greed and and fear. Greed of making a lot of money and fear of missing out on the next big deal, right? Um, and then one last thing I would maybe mention of startups that, that kick ass at this is they will start the process you know, way early, like even six months, even up to a year before they plan to raise money, they start identifying investors, even reaching out. Like one of my favorite tactics for founders to do is to reach out to these investors six months before you plan to raise money and say, hey, hey, Ryan, I see you've invested in a couple companies in our in our market. Um, we're not raising money right now. I plan to be raising money this fall. But I'd love to just keep you up to date with what I'm building here. Can I add you to our company update distribution list? Right. And so I start to send investors our company update with our progress and and highlights 
you know, months in advance. And you can actually kind of nurture these relationships. So when it's time to fundraise, you've already warmed up these relationships and they're ready to write a check quickly. <laughs> so those are a few things I see people do. That's so simple. But I mean, so you got sales in there with the, uh, yep. the five to six meetings a day. You said five to six days a week. Is that what you're saying? If you can, I, I know founders like if you almost want to take this and I, I'm doing a sample set from our podcast, I can think of a. Of the 200 plus founders we've had on this show, I can think of about 10 that have run the most intense fundraising. They've packed it into like two months where for the first month, they are literally, I, even with Zoom, I know people have even done like 10 meetings a day, a couple days a week because they're just slotting them in, sitting in front of their Zoom and doing nothing but pitching all day long, right? That creates that sort of momentum. Um Anyway, sorry, I cut you off on your question, but yeah. No, okay. <laughs> no I, it's it's interesting. So you're saying like, because what I was trying to do is, is just back into the time, like associated to complete a fundraising round. And we're talking, just for context, we're talking, right, angel investors, C round or pre-seed, series A, like that range is kind of what you're, you're referring to when you're talking about this process, or you're saying this is applicable to all stages? Oh, what, many of, much of it is applicable to all, ra- all raises, right? Identifying the right people, initiating outreach with them, nurturing the relationships advance. And then once you're actually fundraising, doing it in a, as compact and dense uh, a time frame as possible. That applies to, num- to every round. So, yeah, the numbers change a little bit, right? Angels and, and pre-seed, you might be talking to like 200 people, Series A, Series B, maybe that's more like 30 or 50 people, right? So the numbers change, but okay. the process stays pretty consistent. Yeah. So what would you say? Let's just talk about your, your seed, right? What, like your pre-seed or series A, like how much time does it take to go through the entire funding process on average? Would you say, I know there's a lot of variability to that. Right. But like, how long does it take? And, you know, because like what you described, it sounds like an aggressive demand generation program combo yep. with a lead nurturing program combo yep. with um, <laughs> high sense of urgency, which it's funny because it reminds me of an exact like revenue generating motion. So, yep. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's, it, it really is a sales marketing and sales process, you know, just applied in a different context to fundraising, right? It's, it's all of those things. To answer your question, I think a fast fundraise is two months. That's pretty quick. A typical fundraise is probably three to four months. A slower fundraise is six to nine months. Um, okay. Yeah. And it is a function of how much, you know, you can dedicate or like, like some of the, the founders I, I know who have done a two month fundraise, they literally do nothing but fundraise for two months. Like all their other duties they've given to their co-founder or they've hired a, I know one woman who hired like a cheap, uh, a COO to handle all her duties, her normal duties during that period. So all she could do is fundraise, right? So it's a function of not only how many months, but also how much literally hours per day you can devote to the process. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that surprised me, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, so mm-hmm. how about you? Like, what would you say is the number one single thing that you're best at and like that you kind of peek behind the curtain, you understand what people are, are your, your customers are, are dealing with in terms of their problems you're trying to grow your business at the same time. I mean, what do you think you're doing better than anybody else right now? We, 
really do listen to our customers in a really like <laughs> holistic, deep, empathic, is that the right word? Way. Um, I mean, I even answer like a lot of customer support uh, pings through our intercom or, you know, email, really understanding what people are struggling with, where they're challenged, you know. And so I think that's, I think when people sign on to Founder Suite, they get a very personal bespoke experience, uh, even though they're paying 69 bucks a month, you know, <laughs> which isn't like that expensive for most folks. So I think that's what we're doing better. And that's hard to scale because we are very personal and kind of intimate with our customers. That sounds weird, but you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think we do that really well and we know the space, right? Like we're not, uh, there's some clones who you can tell the people have probably never fundraised. They're just trying to kind of copy your look and feel. Um, but they don't like know the intimate, you know, nuances of, of raising capital <laughs> where we do. I think that's something that's really different. So, okay. Yeah. So obviously, well, I mean, and that, that would take, I'd imagine with your, your domain expertise, cause you, that's the world you came from. Right. So it's going to be massive value there. So, um, how about like, where do you see the future of funding going? And especially with kind of what's happening and, you know, inflation just hit a, what was it? A 41 year high I saw today. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I've heard rumors of capital starting to, to dry up compared to the last four or five years. So it's going to be tighter and it's going to change. So wh where do you see the future of, of uh, funding going and, and what's your take on that? Yeah, inflation is is funny because it feels like inflation hasn't been an issue for so long now. Now it kind of is, and like making me think about what to do with you know cash and stuff like that. Anyway, um, that's a macro factor. I don't. I think it helps when there's low low interest rates, low inflation rates, because then investors are seeking return by investing mm -hmm. in more speculative things like startups. Now, if they can get a better return. You know, in, in other places, maybe it slightly takes some of the money off the startup world. Um, I don't know if that really has that much correlation, though. I think, you know, we, we're hearing some talk about how, like, venture levels are are declining. It's been over 10 years that people are saying the startup market is about to burst. The bubble is about to burst, blah, blah, blah. And, and there are little resets and corrections along the way. You know, but I think if you can look at the, like a long term picture, it's all pretty healthy trends, right? More startups being created, more graduates want to start their own startup or work for a startup. And there's sort of like this huge macro trend of like startups are the future and here to stay and, you know, a big opportunity. And and, you know, there's just more investors coming into the space too. So I'm not like super worried about like a huge correction. I think some resets probably are actually healthy. And then I guess the other, other thing I'd say, you know, I've been through two big crashes, <laughs> the, um, you know, 2000 after the dot com bubble, 2000 crash, I lived through that. And then the 2008 bubble as well. Um, or crash and you know a lot of really really good companies are created in those downturns actually i think there's a good opportunity because you know you've heard all this before but like 
it's easier to hire. It's easier to, there's just like less noise, less frothiness. Like when you're starting a company in some of these downward cycles. So I guess overall, what I'm trying to say is I'm pretty optimistic that things are still going to be good for like the, the true entrepreneurs. Maybe it'll flush out some of the entrepreneurs, the, the fake entrepreneurs just chasing a, a quick, you know, flip or something like that. Um, where does fundraising go? I mean, there's lots of interesting trends happening in fundraising. I try and keep on top of it. Obviously, crowdfunding has been on the rise for the past several years. And mm-hmm. I think crowdfunding is really interesting. It used to be kind of like the, is this appropriate to say, the redheaded stepchild of fundraising? <laughs> like you would go raise money on on crowdfunding. If you couldn't get angels and VCs to back you, you'd go, you know, get on crowdfunding. I think that stigma has sort of gone away for the most part. And it's pretty viable way to raise money from your supporters, backers, your fans, you know. So I think crowdfunding is very interesting and here to stay and will only grow in importance. You're seeing other things like tokens, SPACs, NFTs um, uh, as as kind of ways to raise money. I think those have a little bit more of a potential to be flash in the pan here today, gone tomorrow, right? We're already seeing like SPACs, which had a big surge in 2020. Most of those are underwater and kind of out of favor already, right? So that was like hot for a minute and now it's not. I think, um, you know, even like initial coin offerings from a couple of years ago, <laughs> that was a hot for a day, not so much anymore. Um, so I guess some of those things I'm, I'm a little skeptical on that they'll have like long-term sticking power. Um, I think the real opportunity is maybe making it easier for startups to get in front of the right investors and for investors to find the good startups. There's still a very inefficient market in how that whole process works. And I think we can actually play a role in, in some of that too. So anyway. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good. It's a good take. And yeah, I definitely saw that with ICO offerings and, um, SPACs. I'm not... I'm not up to speed on a lot of what's going on there, but yeah, you definitely seen a slow down there. So, so that's great insight. So we're, we're just about up in time. Where can yeah. people find you? Where can they find out more about founder suite? And then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, absolutely. So founder suite is just like it sounds www.founder.com. Check it out. You can create a free account, no credit card required play around with it. It's free forever. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but it is free forever. And, um, and then I would say, uh, you know, find us on Twitter slash founder suite, Facebook slash founder suite. I would say the thing I would plug a little bit is, um, LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'd love to, to connect with you. Um, you know, maybe mention that you, uh, heard about me on the scale up show and and that way i'll just know to connect with you but i post a lot of really really good stuff on linkedin like lists of investors like sample term sheets like other just high quality content so definitely um connect on linkedin and it's nathan becker n-a-t-h-a-n-b-e-c-k-o-r-d on linkedin and then last thing i would say is our own podcast called how i raised it which is interviews with 240 or so founders, VCs, fund of funds, all about raising capital. And we really get into like the nitty gritty of like 
How did you identify that investor? How did you connect with that investor? We had one guy on last week that raised money from Mark Cuban. So he goes into detail, like, how did he connect with Mark Cuban? And what questions was Mark asking him, you know, and stuff like that. Like, it's really detailed stuff. Another guy was uh, recently went into like a minute by minute playbook for how to run a VC pitch meeting, right? You have an hour with a VC. He goes like the first five minutes you do X, Y, Z, the next five to 10 minutes, you know, really specific stuff. And I think it's just super helpful stuff. So how I raised it, I would check that out. That's it. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks. Thanks for the insight. And yeah, was, I can see those being very entertaining and interesting episodes to digest. So, uh, but thanks for being on the show, Nathan. It was awesome having you on. And I, I think you're doing a great service to the startup community by helping them with one of their biggest problems, which is raising capital. So thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you for checking out the scale up show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.